Her Me Out. Hello, and welcome to Her Me Out, a podcast where we talk about popular movies and how they have perpetuated us, or perpetuated rape culture in the media. Those moments that make you think, well, that wasn't great, uh, which is most of what the movie we're going to talk about today is. Also, we're once again embarking on a version of this podcast that would more aptly be named Her Us Out, because I have a lovely guest with me today. She's a real-life smart lady who has been there since day one of My Feminist Awakening, and she's bright, she's badass, she's Helena Fari. Helena, welcome. Hi. I actually was there day one because we were in that feminism class together. That was day one. That was literally the moment it all happened, and I still remember it so well. I wasn't Uh. supposed to be in that class, (laughs) and then I changed last minute, and it changed my life. Can you imagine? I I, actually- I can't. I can't imagine. So how are you? I'm good, you know. I'm I'm uh, making it through here in New York City. Yep. Yeah. A great place. <laughs> it's a great um, place so usually. Right now it's uh it's an okay place. It's very specifically, yeah. 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 Well, as as where I am as well. So we're in the same a similar boat. Um so could you please tell me a bit about you and your life and your feminism and your journey towards all of those things? Yeah, so uh, I'm an actor. I I live here in New York. um, And I feel like I'm just constantly trying to make my way through the world in a way that is mindful of all the intersected ways that oppression happens to people. Um, and, uh, maybe make some art that is, uh, also reflective of that, hopefully. Amazing. Amazing. Super cool. I mean, it's great, obviously, when artists have these specific things that they have in mind when they're doing art. So I've always thought that was a great thing in terms of the acting and that you can always bring those, make your female roles more whole. Yeah. I mean, it's an interesting position to be in because as an actor, you don't necessarily get to choose every single role that you do, especially when you're just starting out. So mm-hmm. uh, figuring out what uh, what roles you're willing to do, what roles feel don't feel right to you, and also how you can make the most of roles that uh, maybe sort of toe that line can be really interesting and difficult. Now I have a question for you, which is, you, you've listened to the podcast before, so what would you say perpetuation means to you? I would say it's that feeling, it, it's, it was that feeling growing up where you knew that something was harming you or something that something wasn't good for you. You could tell on like an elemental level that it wasn't either made for you or it was actively bad for people who look like you and you continued to watch it anyway because everyone else around you was watching it and maybe you even enjoyed it maybe you still enjoy it I feel as though we have a very interesting um, movie to talk about that it completely embodies everything that you just said (laughs) so um with that, Helena, would you like to watch a movie that makes office sexual harassment seem fun? When you put it like that, no. <laughs> well, if you did, the perfect movie for you would be Anchorman, at least in my opinion. So, what is your relationship with the movie Anchorman? Okay, so I come from a media family. 
Um, my dad is a reporter. My brother went on to become a reporter. And so Anchorman, uh, I also, and I also come from a, um, an SNL family. So with all of those three things in mind, Anchorman was like huge in my family because it's like making fun of media. It's got Will Ferrell in it. And, uh, it's also just like, it was everyone's favorite movie in my house for a long time. Completely. And so do you feel like, were you always quoting, quoting the movie and things like that at home? Yeah, absolutely. Uh, my brother and my dad would quote it constantly. And I, I did too, because I thought it was hilarious. And honestly, I still think it's very funny. That's great. Well, I have a similar experience in the sense that like, I remember everybody thought this movie was um, like such a big deal. And it was always quoted. And I always quoted it as well. But I don't know that I still think that a lot of it was funny. I think that some of it was funny, but a lot of it hit me differently. Well, we'll we'll get into it. We will get into it. We will get into it. Yes, we will. Okay, so I'm going to give a little bit of plot. The movie Anchorman is about Ron Burgundy and his news team consisting of Paul Rudd, some guy playing Champ, uh, and Steve Carell. Uh, do you know that guy? Is he playing <laughs> No idea. Yeah, who the hell um, is that? No idea. You know what? He probably had a great career. Yeah, he probably did. Whatever that guy does, he has a great career in it. He's probably doing great. Yeah, for sure. Um, so these guys, they read the news, something that only men were allowed to do, according to this film in the 1970s. But I actually looked it up. The first female news anchor in the U.S. was Dorothy Fulltime, and she achieved that in 1959. So shocker Ooh. that Will didn't look that up or didn't care when he and Adam McKay wrote the script. Just That is so interesting. Uh-huh. You know, they probably didn't do their research. They were like, this will be funny. This is enough. That's just that's just me being sassy. So the story is about this group of dudes just um, getting to be dudes um, of the news, and they're drinking and partying and talking about their dicks all the time until all of it is ruined and taken away by an ambitious lady, Veronica Corningstone, played by Christina Applegate, um, who just wants to have a career. Shocker. Um, so with that, we get into our first chapter, which I'm going to call This Movie is Everything I Hate. <laughs> Sorry, it doesn't seem like it's everything you hate, but it's how I feel. <laughs> Chapter 1. This movie is everything I hate. So, (laughs) before we get into anything about sexual harassment in the workplace, which uh, we will get there in in the next chapter, um, I'd like to start with just the idea of male humor, which is something that I've spoken a lot on um, the podcast before, which is just this this, uh, idea that um, there's a kind of humor that is only for men and a lot of times it's very very isolating for women to even try, well basically if women try to enter it it's almost like it, it can't exist anymore because um women were not built to be is a part of it um and that can be really hard for people who like myself are interested in in this genre of of humor um were it to be more inclusive to to everybody do you did you feel like when you watch this movie now that it was isolating to you Okay, so the surprising thing to me when I watched this movie was that um, it is so much a farce. Like, the, the thing mm-hmm. about it um, is that it all of the male humor is definitely there, but it's so, so over the top. Like, it's pushed to the absolute limit, and every single character in this is 
just a complete clown. I think the thing about a movie like, like you've talked about before on The Hangover, where like mm-hmm. male humor, it's like this camaraderie thing and you kind of want to be the guys from The Hangover if you're watching The Hangover. I don't think anyone wants to be any of these Anchorman guys. Like the guys in The Hangover are despicable and so are the guys in Anchorman. But the guys in Anchorman are so over the top that I think that they like, they transcend it a little bit. So this is my surprising hot take on it, which is that like, it's so over the top that it like rounds the bend for me and almost becomes uh, okay to watch if you watch it as a farce. Yeah, that makes sense. I, I completely understand. I mean, it makes me think about when I was talking about Love Actually and how there's that part of the film where the guy goes to um, the United States and he has this like crazy love experience with like a bunch of hot women. And to me, that point of the movie was okay because it was so clearly meant to be a farce. And so I can see that here in this movie as well. Like if if that was my... um, justification then then I think it should justify this movie as well but I don't know I just I I feel like at the same time okay so here's my question for you do you think when a Christina Applegate did this movie do you think that she she found it funny while she was in it I mean okay which parts of the movie did you think were continuing to be funny or were there parts that you didn't find funny anymore I think it seemed like everybody on set was having a really good time, including Christina Applegate. And what I will say about that is that I feel like they actually let her be funny in this movie, which is not usually true of women in dude comedies. Um, her yeah. character is hilarious. And like she gets she gets to be as over the top as the men do. And her like pushing back against the sexual harassment stuff is not only uh warranted and you know the right thing to do but she also does it in a way that's very funny I think she doesn't come off to me as like a humorless shrew maybe and I don't think I don't think the movie is trying to portray it that way the thing that does bother me is that she does end up sleeping with Ron Burgundy which is bullshit yeah completely but I don't know I, I just feel like there's still this thing where she though she is welcomed and I completely agree she she is gets to be funny, she gets to be a a part of the joke in some ways. She's still on the outside of it, and um, obviously a lot of the movie is just about her being a woman and entering this male space, which is nice that we get to see her side of that, like that we get to see a woman actually dealing with those specific things, but then still coming up against, I don't know, I, I just, I feel like when I used to watch this movie, and I used to like joke along and, and quote it, that it still wasn't my place to be quoting all of those, the the guy parts, because they were, like, so against women. Like, watching it now, I'm like, oh my god, all of the things that we used to say are are kind of like us, I don't know, sexually harassing women or, or whatever. They, a lot of the jokes are simply about that specific thing. So, to me, I don't know, it just felt, it felt like she, while she is a part of the team in some ways, that she's also not exactly, like, getting to be a part of the humor in the same sense, obviously, which I get because it, she's a woman and they're men and this is a, a guy comedy quote unquote movie. But I don't know. It's still, it still rubbed me the wrong way, but I do. Yeah, I mean, more, like, that makes sense. That makes sense. It is farcical. I would definitely take that point in terms of like, she's, 
she's the foil to them for sure, which is like not always the most fun position to be in. And I think it speaks to Christina Applegate's talent that she's able to like be very funny as somewhat of the straight man in this movie. Um, Hmm. The other thing I will say is that I deeply, deeply wish that they had just created a female crew like the the boys have this crew and they all get to work off of each other Christina Applegate is alone um she's like the only woman who talks in the movie except for a criminally underused Katherine Hahn oh I know criminal I I mean you had Katherine Hahn right there you could have made you could have just restructured the movie and had a, a similarly absurd female crew um as the the opposite to the men and it would have I I think you would have had a great movie on your hands yeah completely like they could have overrun even more so but I don't know I just I question whether or not like now watching it I find Veronica funny but like I don't know that I did when I watched it before I don't feel like I even paid that much attention to her as a character I feel like everyone was so like do you feel like for example when when people of your family watched it like were they are they excited by the Veronica character? Do you, I feel like mm-hmm. almost like watching it now I put more focus on her simply because of who I am now. But I feel like when I watched it before, I didn't think she was funny and I didn't uh, give her as much credit. Yeah, maybe. I totally agree with that. A hundred percent. I mean, I I feel like I always grew up like um, more interested in female characters and female voices just like in a general sense. Um because I had a lot of examples of that and uh, exposure to uh, media that had women in it. Um, But yeah, you're right. I mean, when I watched it before, it was about how funny Ron Burgundy is, not about how smart and funny Veronica Corningstone is. Yeah, yeah, I never really considered that. I think... I think the the boys are the star of the movie. This time I was watching it with an eye towards like what her character really is and what she mm-hmm. she looks like and I was surprised by how funny she actually is and how and how many how many digs she actually did get in. That's true. It's more than you expect when you go back and watch it, that's for sure. But again, then the very tragic thing happens where she <laughs> ends up dating him anyways, which we'll get into as well. That is so dumb. Know? It's so dumb. It's the worst. But we'll we'll talk about that in a second. What I want to talk about is um, the friends. Now, this is very important. Paul Rudd's character, Brian Fantana. Ugh, the worst. Do you think he's a head guy? Is a what? A head guy? No, Brian Fantana is not a head guy. Will you please explain to the listeners what a head guy is? Okay, so a head guy is a guy who is really, really excited about giving women head and thinks it's really cool how much he likes giving women head. Um, He's like, oh my god, I just love it. I love, like, going down on women. Um, And that's his thing. Um, And he really needs you to know it. Totally needs you to know it. I don't know. For some reason, my first reaction when watching Brian Fantana was that he might not be an actual head guy, but that he might in- in- intend, in- he might be a, a, like a imposter head guy. Like he uses Ooh. that as a point and then he doesn't actually commit. <laughs> he has the vibes of a head guy without the commitment of a head the guy. The thing about a head guy, though, is that they're not good at giving head. Yeah, exactly. 100%. So that's, that also makes sense. For Brian Fontana. Yeah, I could see him being a head guy with no skills. 
at least telling people he's a head guy. <laughs> the other problem, uh, if I can just speak a little more on, on head guys, is that they're not interested in your pleasure. They're interested in themselves being head guys. Completely, completely. Yeah. That is but the most important thing. <laughs> I think Champ is a secret head guy. He wouldn't tell his bros that he's a head guy, but he would tell it to the women that he sleeps with. Yes. Brian Fantana is too, like, uh, I think Brian Fantana is almost too dumb to be a head guy. <laughs> I, I feel like that's completely fair. But he has something. He's not a head guy, but he's something else. You know, he's got some weird sex definition. I will day. say he's definitely, like, uh, fake poly. Oh, he's one of those guys who, um, rather than being actually polyamorous and interested in cultivating many different relationships with different people in an honest and ethical way, is using the term polyamory to sleep around and do whatever he wants and not communicate. Mm. This is if he was like on modern date. Any of these people were on modern date Tinder. I should. I should. Put that caveat out there. <laughs> Important. Yeah, that makes sense to me, though. I really see that for him. Yeah. Um, I will say, though, I still think Sex Panther is one of the funniest fucking things. It is hilarious. It has bits of real panther in it. So ridiculous. And actually, now that you say it, how they're all clowns, like, I completely agree. I guess I just wish that their clownery wasn't about, like, I don't know, like, minimizing women and their role in the world. It just feels like it's it's a a cheap shot, and it could have been smarter humor even though it's supposed to be stupid yeah but it's like you could still be smart about it It doesn't have to just be cheap shots like that part is hilarious and I will say what still killed me was um afternoon delight like Uh, we love we love a little bit of singing I love that they're just so casual about it which is also a clown thing like I I do think this is like high clown like high clown It is. And, but the, but Charlotte, it's exactly what we used to talk about all the time, where like women don't get the shot at being a clown. There could be a similar female clown crew, but they're like, no, women aren't, it's the women aren't funny. Women don't have the, their bodies aren't built for being funny. Mm -hmm. It's the, it's the same thing we used to talk about at that little tea shop when we used to go make our little plans in college. (laughs) Our little plans. Yes, I agree. And I think we should maybe talk about that a little bit. So like clown um, is, you know, an art, a theatrical art of, well, I don't even know how you describe it. Well, it's just like over-exaggerating the human experience kind of. And you kind of find this like playful place. And what Helena and I always found when we were doing clown, yes, we did clown. We went to clown college. We found that like whenever there was a guy up performing, his body was just like funnier. And we couldn't explain why, but we were just like, why is it that when he does something weird with his body, it's just funnier? And when a female does it, 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 we're, I don't know, our bodies are not attributed to the same kind of humor. And it, it becomes one of those things where you realize how gendered it is because it was truly just that a male would up, be, be up there doing the same thing and it was it was funny and it wasn't when a female was doing it. Yeah. And I, I think one thing that we were we would talk about a lot is like female bodies on stage or anytime you're looking at a female body in an audience, from an audience perspective, you are uh, automatically putting on that body all of the baggage that comes with being a woman in society. So the, the men in our classes 
had the ability to sort of be this blank slate on stage and be this like amorphous thing. And women, you have to, they had to overcome the constraints of their physical bodies, even though it's a physical art. So I don't, that's, that's what we were, would talk a lot about. And that, I think you see it in this movie. Completely, because the idea, well, the idea is just that, like, once a woman enters the space, it changes it. No, exactly like you said, like, the men can kind of represent everything, like, all men kind of situation. But when a woman is there, she has to represent those female things. And it goes completely hand in hand with the discussion of male humor, which is just that, like, when a woman enters the space, she can't change the fact that she's a woman. And that means that a lot of the jokes that men make all of a sudden expose a specific thing about that humor. And not necessarily in this movie, because as we say, it's a farce. So if we're taking it as a farce, it's a little bit different. But in with male humor in general, a lot of times when a woman's presence is there, it just kind of cracks the the ability for it to be the same amount of funny as it was before, which is why they don't want women to be there. Yeah, it just ex- it exposes those those disparities. And when you have to think about that, you are less likely to just let go and release and feel ready to laugh and think it's funny. Exactly, exactly, 100%. So I have a question for you, Helena, about male humor, something that we've talked about before in the past. Um, And it can be not necessarily related to this movie because... um, you're seeing it more as a farce. I don't, I don't even know if you feel like there's male, like, do you, would you consider this male humor? I would, but I don't think that it's a celebration of male humor in the way that other boy movies like American Pie or The Hangover are, if that makes sense. Yeah. I mean, I, I think it's one of those things where it's like, it's, it's a farce that was informed by male humor. Um, but since it's a farce, it's no longer, you can't really take it the same way. So I completely agree in that. I would say that they still celebrate mm, male humor in some senses, but it doesn't hit as hard as those other ones that are like, yeah, specifically about like praising and uplifting the men for for just being who they are. This one is obviously, you're right. They're not supposed to be like good guys. I mean, the other yeah. ones aren't supposed to be good guys either, but they're not supposed, they're supposed to be like stupid. They're supposed to be people that were like, you don't know how to live your life and you're not cool. And yeah, I don't know. I mean, I, I mean, I completely understand how movies like this can, like for me too, I, I used to quote it all the time. It used to be a really big deal for me. And so I understand how they can kind of be caught in time. And so mm, people that, that like men would ha- maybe have to go back and re-remember um, what it is that, I don't know, just understand the context of how these movies can be isolating to women in specific ways. Before we move on to the next chapter, I just want to say that for me I guess one of the reasons why it's very it doesn't feel super good re-watching it is because I just remember I remember it so differently like I remember it for being this this guy like we, we we thought it was so funny what they were joking about and now when I go back and watch it I'm like what they're joking about is just a woman being treated badly at work and like being sexually harassed at work. And so it made me, I guess watching it back and, and I agree it's a farce. So there is that part of the discussion, but watching it back, it just made me sad because I never realized that before. I just took it for granted, I guess. I just think it's, I think it's really interesting watching this in like a post me too era, because I mm-hmm. think I, of course it was, it was probably easily identifiable as sexual harassment 
at the time when it came out because it's so over the top and obvious. But I think um, now it's like, now it's even that much more of a farce because we don't tolerate that at all anymore or we're not supposed to. I get you. It's like before the first time we watched it, it wasn't as bad because we we were also in a Me Too, pre-Me Too movement era moment in our own lives. So to us watching it, it was kind of like, we didn't see it as much. Is that what you mean? And then like now watching it, we're like, oh my God, it's very overtly this. We're about to talk about sexual harassment anyway. Oh, great. Perfect. So before we get to the next chapter, we're going to do a little bit of plot. Um, Veronica Corningstone is welcomed onto the news team. And when I say welcomed, I mean mostly not very welcomed because all of the men are furious to have a woman there. She's an ambitious lady who just wants to become a network uh, anchor like Ron. And she's also very attractive. So the men go on the attack. They literally each take turns hitting on her in very um, not cute ways. For example, like we were talking about before with the um, Panther thing, Black Panther. Um, And ultimately Ron goes out with her and they fall in love very quickly. Um, Then one one day, Ron throws a burrito at Jack Black on a motorcycle. So Jack Black uh, hunts the best. After. I know. It's so crazy. I completely forgot. There are so many famous people in this movie. Well, at least now. Like, uh, what's his name? Seth Rogen is just like a random camera guy in this movie. Yeah, that was a crazy cameo. So weird. Um. Anyway, and Ron is, is so upset uh, that Jack Black punt has that he punted his dog, um, that he doesn't make it to the station on time to read the news. So instead, uh, Corningstone gets her big break and reads the news, catapulting her to co-anchor, and she and Ron break up, and then they feud. So that takes us to chapter two. Chapter two. Because, right? Sexual harassment is hilarious. A huge thing that uh, goes on in this movie is the fact that Veronica enters a newsroom and um, is the first woman to really take on that space as uh, part of the news team. And so the men um, who are already very heightened in their sexuality and and kind of like horndog thing kind of go crazy on her as like a piece of meat in the in the newsroom so well first let's just talk it doesn't necessarily have to be related to the movie but let's talk about uh sexual harassment in the workplace I think that even if people haven't experienced uh, sexual harassment in the workplace they have experienced it outside of the work and so they kind of are able to put uh understand what that means um have you ever had an experience with sexual harassment in the workplace uh you know I've been lucky I haven't really had anything overtly happen to me um in the workplace that's good to know I I don't know that I've ever directly asked you that before Uh, but like I said I think it's pretty easy for us all to understand the danger of that it's obviously like and I think one of the things that's interesting about this movie is that she she we kind of do get to see Veronica's side of it like how what's actually happening to her and like how she says like I just have to deal with it like women always ask me how do you do it and I I just say like it's what I have to put up with if I want to be an ambitious person and yeah I think it's great that it shows that side of it but also I feel like her character becomes complicit in in what is going on within that storyline because she is speaking out but like I don't know it's not really about the sexual harassment, which of course this movie isn't about it and it's supposed to be making fun of it. But um, again, like I mentioned before, I think to me it just hit me where it was like, oh, so sexual harassment is a joke. Like if this is something that we're joking about, people who don't believe that it's true, look at what we're joking about. It's a joke in this movie and that means it's reflecting real life and that means that it's actually a problem. 
that's what I think it reflects about the world. Okay. Um, Yes. And I totally agree with that. What I'll say about this is I think that because this was made in a pre-Me Too era, uh, they were able to kind of joke about this in a way that went so over the top. However, I don't know how over the top it really is when you really drill down and find out about how sexual harassment was, uh, especially way back in the 70s. Um, But even when this movie was made, sexual harassment was still a huge problem. So it's not like they were, like, if it was made today, it would, it's not like sexual harassment is over. But if it was made today, the sexual harassment, we've been dealing with that in a far more productive way the last couple of years. And so uh, maybe, maybe we're, we, we're not ready to joke about it yet in mm-hmm. our society because the problem hasn't really been dealt with. I, I wish that we got to see Veronica like really have a great revenge plot. She does right. get some revenge, but she ultimately ends up with Ron, which sucks. Um, and she ends up being the, like the, the enemy or not. What, what would you say? Like the person she, she ends up being someone that we don't like because of what she did as revenge. Yeah. Yeah. I think that's, I mean, I was rooting for her, but that might just be me. I don't think the movie's rooting for her. Well, maybe the movie is rooting for her. I don't know. I think the movie loves both of them. Do you think that the movie loves her? I feel like it it loves uh, Ron's happiness. And so she becomes part of that. But I feel like, and I, yeah, I guess you're right. She does end up being, a, like, she does get her, her um, ultimate goal. But I feel like the whole point is that like we're supposed to be kind of annoyed that she took it away from Ron, and then she ends up giving Ron the ability to to like um to 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 do the news in the end. Like, well, we'll get to that later as well. But I don't know. I just feel like I don't know if the movie was necessarily rooting for her so much as rooting for Ron. I think it was rooting for Ron to go on a journey more than it was rooting for Ron himself if that makes sense Hmm. yes like she he needed to fall and she was the means for him to fall um Mm -hmm. and it is satisfying to see her outsmart him because he's such an idiot and she's smart and so there's something satisfying about watching them be such assholes and then her ultimately triumphing um and unfortunately Ron also gets to triumph in the end, but he's so dumb. So does he <laughs> triumph? So <laughs> he is so Can dumb. he completely triumph when he is so dumb? I mean, such a good question. And to be fair, she is very smart, which is very important. Yeah, I feel like you are opening my eyes to why this movie doesn't have to be everything that I hate, but also... Some part of me still wants it to be that. I'm not sure. I'm not ready to admit that that it's okay with me. <laughs> but I'm happy. I get it. I get it. And I and I don't know. I'm frustrated because I feel like I'm not articulating this in the most clear way. And I, I don't want to be are. a traitor to feminism. No. But I do think that it's a little I, I do think it's a little less black and white than some of the other movies because I think that I think that the boys are a little bit in on the joke of how bad boy humor is. I just wish that they let women talk in the movie. 
more than one woman talking would be much, much better. Yes, exactly. And I don't know. I mean, I I loved I would love to believe that, but I just feel like Will Ferrell's um like whole repertoire just like speaks again. I don't know. I just feel like I can't I can't trust him. And I'd love to trust like Paul Rudd and Steve Carell, but and whatever that other guy, whoever he is. Um, but I I don't know. I just I just don't I just don't trust. I just don't trust, especially because they're not women talking. And again, like as you said, Catherine Hahn, like come on. And I don't know. She's I mean, right I, there. I know. And this movie was made in two thousand and four. Like I know that 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 is a long time ago at this point, but like that wasn't such a long time ago um, that there couldn't have been more uh, related to it. Like if you're going to be joking about women and, and like, which is generally what this plot is. It's it's supposed to be about like a woman ruining everything, which is something that women are so used to, to experiencing. I feel like you had, if they wanted it to, if they were on in on the joke, they would have had to make it more clear for me to be okay with it. Um, but I'm also very demanding. So you are, and so am I. Usually, maybe I'm going soft. I don't know. No, it's. I think it's because I think it's because yeah. Well, it obviously was something that was very important to you and your family. And also, I think like when you put it like that, you are convincing me that it it's better. And I'm I'm being harsh, but I don't know. I don't know. It's weird. I feel like we're 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 in a very strange gray area of how do we feel about this movie because it's true that it's a farce, but also they're talking. I don't know. When you watch them harass her, like it just it makes me so sad because I'm like that's like as you said, that's probably exactly it could have been very true. The exact way that they were doing it might have been not all of the things, but a lot of them were probably very realistic for the moment, and so it wasn't actually that much of a joke. They were just like, and probably not that much of a joke to women in 2004 either. Like it, it's, ex- they exaggerated it. They made it seem more exaggerated by putting it in the seventies, but I don't know that like 2004 was that all that much better. Yeah, completely, completely. And we weren't having this discussion around it either. So what mm-hmm. did that mean to people seeing that? What, what did that, how did that affect women who were being sexually harassed at that moment? Um, exactly exactly because we weren't talking about it yeah I I feel like that I guess that's what upsets me I feel like it glorified the ability to to do that to have that kind of behavior because it was like it was at least wasn't telling people that it was bad and it wasn't telling people like you shouldn't be doing that it was it was not necessarily saying this is good but it was because they because they are so stupid and it is a farce but it was also making it a joke so it made yeah. it funny and made people feel like, oh, it's just a joke. Like, it's just banter. You can let it go. I just feel like it propels that same narrative. I don't think that Veronica lets it go because she does ultimately get her revenge in the way that's available to her, which is not by going through HR and not by exposing them to the media because none of that would have mattered at that time or even in 2004. But the fact that she does end up getting Ron Burgundy fired and becoming the news anchor that she wants to be is pretty satisfying to watch. That's true. That's true. Um, just wish she didn't stay with Ron Burgundy. Yeah, 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 yeah. But I also think it's annoying because I think that probably, like, uh, the men who are watching it were probably like, oh, oh, she got him fired. She's the worst, you know? It wasn't, like, a satisfying thing for them because the movie wasn't necessarily trying to make it satisfying for people other than us who are rooting for her. <laughs> I'm not sure. 
Yeah, but, maybe yeah. if the movie was called Veronica Corningstone, Anchor Woman, it would yes. be... Maybe I was watching a movie called Veronica Corningstone, Anchor Woman. You know what I mean? <laughs> I think totally were. I think that's completely 100% fair and true of what it is, especially because, I don't know, it is, there are so many funny things. And I will say, like, for example, at the end, I almost felt like it was more funny when you got to see, at the very end, when they're, like, doing the, like, take out the, the, the um, they you know they mess up what it, whatever it's called when you mess up and so they they take lots of takes um and the you could see them talking about how absurd it was you could see them laughing about it you could see them really living through those moments it made me like the movie more it made me like them more could see them like actually being real people joking about it and weren't just like assholes i don't know well to me it begs the question like how do we joke about sexual harassment because this is a real experience that people have and mm-hmm. uh have had as long as women have been in the workforce and longer than that even as long as women have been women and I think we should be able to joke about every human experience just as long as it's not punching down um so I I wonder I wonder how we can laugh at that and to me the movie is laughing at a lot of the movie is laughing at how absurd these men are for thinking that that is behavior that is acceptable but again I'm watching I was watching Veronica Corningstone Anchorwoman you were 100% and I think that I I agree with you I think this movie if they had just brought in more women we would be having a completely different discussion that's the point it's representation like yes Veronica is there but she it can't just you know if it's a movie about a woman breaking into the newsroom then we need to see the other women that were not allowed to do that before or something like that. And for yeah. goodness sake, they have a whole showdown where it's a bunch of clowns, like dudes, like killing each other. And they're no, like, why isn't there like a female news team who, who is not allowed to be on the air. So they have their like own sideshow, you know, like, which is probably a thing. Exactly. Like they're fake news, not fake news. Sorry. They're fake. Um, I don't know. They're, they're little <laughs> indie <laughs> they're news. Right I don't know, why don't something. we have some? Why don't we have some zine lesbians? You know what yeah, I mean. Exactly. Oh my god! Can you imagine? Can you imagine that scene? But one of the teams is a is a team of zine lesbians. I would be obsessed. I just feel like even <laughs> oh, that would be so funny. Into this whole conversation, that would have been enough because we would just be like, wait, you know what? They had the zine, so it's okay. <laughs> it's gonna be fine. Uh, um, yeah, I don't know. I just, I just feel like it's just such a missed thing. And instead, they have they have goodness Vince Vaughn. Like, why is that guy? The second he goes into a movie, I'm like, oh, yeah, every time, right? <laughs> We're just like, yeah, never mind. It had no. All hope. right, I guess that's that's the way this movie's going. Exactly. Um, yeah, so I just, I feel like if you want to joke about sexual harassment, like, then we want to see the people that were being sexually harassed, uh, who weren't able to overcome it, and then, like, and I guess we do kind of get, we get to see how excited those women are that Veronica is there, but, like, that's it for, like, literally 0.01 of a second, and it's, it's a shame, it's a shame, so to me, I don't know, it just feels, like, hard to, to joke about it. I guess but to I, joke about it, you have to center the stories of the people who are the victims of it and where they're, they see the humor and they are, are turning, well, I don't know, not necessarily they see the humor because they don't have to see humor in it, but where yeah, they if, see. If, if it were to be a joke, then they should be allowed to be the ones to show where the humor is coming from. 
kind right. of thing. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And so I guess the, the biggest issue is that it's, we're making fun of sexual harassment, but the people at the center of the story are still the men. Yes. And also it was, you know, written by Will Ferrell and another guy who were just like, wouldn't it be funny if we did this thing? And they did never had to be concerned about the fact that it might upset people that they were joking about it, you know, like that wasn't something they had to ever think about. Um, I'm sure they didn't come up against any of that when they were pitching this. It just makes me a little bit like, mm, huh? like you guys don't have the right, but I do agree that they are very good at at their at what they do. And Veronica, yeah, well, it's about who gets to tell the story. Completely, completely. And so with that, actually, great transition into our last chapter. Um, but I'm gonna continue on with a little bit of plot first. So during Veronica and Ron's feud, there's a um, surprise, more sexual harassment during that whole thing, but they're both acting very childish, childishly. Um, then one of our faves, Catherine Hahn, tells Veronica that Ron will read literally anything on the teleprompter, so she gets him to say, go fuck yourself, San Diego, rather than you say classy San Diego, which is his signature line. He's fired and becomes a mess. Corningstone becomes lead anchor, probably subject to more abuse, but whatever, um, until one day when a panda is going to give birth and it's the biggest news story apparently in the city veronica goes to cover it and she finds like the perfect shot of the the baby panda being born uh, but then gets pushed into a bear's cage so when they can't find her they call ron to come and read the news because they don't have anyone to do it he shows up um but he sees veronica in the cage and jumps in to save her because he still loves her and then baxter somehow survives um being punted off a bridge and saves them both and veronica and ron fall in love again and she lets him read the news so that brings us to chapter three chapter three when female characters are empowered but ultimately still go back to the man Boo. 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 Okay. I think one of the most important questions about this movie is, why does she like him? Why? Well, okay, we've been saying Veronica's smart, which she is in the sense of being ambitious, but she's also a clown and she's also a bit dumb. Yes. So... And not in your typical, like, I'm, like, the typical way that women are portrayed as dumb, I think. Which is fun. She's she's dumb in a way that is interesting. She's dumb because she thinks she's smart. Um, mm-hmm. Which is similar to the way that Ron Burgundy is dumb. So I, I think that's something that I was thinking about a lot when I was watching the movie. Is like, why is this woman dating this idiot? And the scenes when they're together, I'm like, oh, it's because like she has the same kind of ridiculous hubris and uh, sort of self- puffed up self-image as Ron Burgundy. Yeah, that's true. And she, it's almost like she's so focused on being smart that she's not realizing how dumb she is being at the same time. Yeah, yeah. Um, But I don't know, it's just, it's so interesting. Like, for example, when they're at the party, this is like the first time that they meet. He is like being ridiculous, like trying to hit on her. And she just keeps talking to him she doesn't just like leave that moment and I know and she and in that moment she's st- she's like very not into him and I'm just like why don't you go then just go you don't need just to keep leave. talking to this person <laughs> yes um I don't know it just it and I feel like she even says at the end of the movie um 
there are literally thousands of men of other men that I should be with and yes <laughs> which I think speaks to like a larger thing that's annoying which is like the woman despite everything that we've seen the way that he's treated her um what's gone down between them uh she still ultimately like validates his behavior by being with him and it's very annoying because yes I I totally agree it's super annoying that she ends up with him despite everything that he's done if I could rewrite the ending maybe they would become like a they would agree to be friends and or like uh work acquaintances and be like a a stellar news team but not sleep Mm. together Mm -hmm. yeah 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 or like, like she I could see that sort of resolution. Or she yeah. what? She had just never slept with him, maybe. Yeah. Yeah. If there was like a, a, yeah, if she had just never slept with him, because that element, unfortunately, well, it just sucks because it's like we have this female character who's actually a pretty great character, um, but she's still there to serve the purpose of love interest. Exactly. Uh, so that's a bummer. And she's like she she is subject to all of this abuse by these guys like in the office, and she says like this is just like what happens like these guys they just do that kind of thing. But then she still ends up with one of them, and you're like, what does that say about women? Like, what does that say that 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 I mean that there's all this she's uncomfortable with that with all of that behavior, but then afterwards she still is like validating it by being with him. Yeah, because. Yeah, because we're taught as women that, you know, boys will be boys and we can excuse it for them uh, because we see a a deeper part of them if we are uh, romantically involved and that any shred of vulnerability that they show us in other parts of their lives when they're not with their bros is uh, enough evidence that they are good people, even though they don't necessarily carry themselves through the world that way and are not good allies all the time they're not walking the walk they're just talking the talk to get us into bed yeah yeah like head guys head guys this goddamn head guys it's full circle why can't it just be the veronica movie why can't it be veronica corningstone anchor woman she want to see that movie I really want to, and I want her, I want to, like, I really wish that Ron had, I know that we assume that he's learned something, but it wasn't like we really got to see that necessarily, like, what he really learned, and I know the movie isn't supposed to be about him learning how to not sexually harass things, but I guess I just want it to be about that. <laughs> I want it to be more about feminism than it is. In Veronica Corningstone, Anchorwoman, uh, Ron refuses her uh, offer to do the panda story with her. And mm-hmm. he says, um, I'll support you no matter what. And then he becomes uh, her house husband. And because he's, you know, a disgraced anchor man and can no longer work in the industry, he goes on to just support her. And as she is the breadwinner in the family and uh, raise their children and uh you know just unequivocally stand behind her i i think that is the movie should That's we call him yeah should we call him actually we don't need him on this call. why don't we call christina applegate Chris, call, call christina applegate and call katherine hahn yes she will play one of the the people one of the 
the um, news ladies who kills the other people in their brawl. Ugh. Yeah, she'll definitely be part of Veronica's crew as they kill everyone. Yes. In, in the in the news anchor brawl. The news anchor brawl, which is such a ridiculous thing. Brick um, killed the guy with a trident. <laughs> which again, it's you know what's so funny to me? I, I almost feel like sometimes the quotes from this movie are funnier to me than when I actually watch them in the movie. Does that make sense? Like, for example, when when Ron is talking to his dog and he's like, um, Oh, you know I don't speak Spanish. Like, I feel like walking, I didn't think it was very funny. But when people say it, I think it's <laughs> Oh, it made me giggle because I totally forgot about that part. Me too. There were a lot of things I forgot about. Like, a lot of, of quotes that I just completely did not have on my radar. And so when they came up, I was like, oh, my God. I could hear, like, the the my friends from when I was 14 saying those things. It's it's very it's funny how deeply ingrained it is. It is. Film. This one goes really deep. It's it's really crazy. Yeah. And so when you used to to do the jokes about this movie with your family, did you, did you ever feel like it was I don't know. I, I just I guess this whole like thing about the woman and they're joking about her and her body and her whole thing. Did you ever feel like there was any weirdness about that? I didn't. But now I would think there would be. Yeah, I think definitely, definitely the latter. Um, I, I didn't, I definitely had that creeping sensation of like, we're quoting all these men and they're saying all these bad things about women. Um, it was that, that creeping feeling. Yeah. Um, but yeah. Oh, you know what I was going to say earlier? An addendum to what I think perpetuation is? It is the opposite of uncomfortably turned on. Ooh! <laughs> throwback. We're talking about throwbacks. <laughs> well, we should explain. First, we're going to explain what uncomfortably turned on is. Then I want you to further explain this um, this statement. So uncomfortably turned on is a ridiculous thing that I was actually thinking about the other day because I somehow a tweet I saw like one of the old tweet I don't know how I don't remember how it came on into my life. But I had found one of the old tweets when I was talking about how David Spade in overalls was uncomfortably hashtag uncomfortably turned on. Uncomfortably turned on was a thing that we did in university where we would talk about the things that it's like, you're into it, but it's also not hot at all. I don't know. I think it, like, it was also, for me, it was also the idea of, like, I'm experiencing a sexual feeling, but I don't know what sexual feelings are yet. Yes, exactly. It's re- It was related, okay, right. It was related to childhood in a lot of ways. Because the, the when I developed Uncomfortably Turned On, like, the thought was when we had watched The Aristocats. It's The Aristocats. <laughs> It was, we had watched the Aristocats, and I remember that as a child watching that movie, I had been uncomfortably turned on by the cat, or not uncomfortably, I had been turned on by the cat, but I didn't know what it meant as a child. What right, you, could, you wouldn't call it turned on because you didn't know what being turned on was. Exactly, exactly. So watching it back later was when it made me uncomfortably turned on because I was like, oh my god, this is 
this was something that used to turn me on as a child and when I didn't know what being turned on was. Right. Okay. So that's what uncomfortably turned on is. Okay. So now explain what the reverse of that is and why that is perpetual addiction. While it's being made uncomfortable for reasons you don't quite understand, and then looking back again, uh, as we're doing, as you always do on Hear Me Out, and seeing the ways in which that was harmful to you before you understood the harm that was being done. Wow. I think that I think that's completely, yeah, it's a good definition of it. It's, it's like, we always knew those feelings, and we tried to hide them because we didn't want to admit that. I don't know. I mean, I don't know, especially with this kind of movie like this, I think we, we just wanted to be a part of the crew. We wanted to be a part of it and we didn't want to let on that it, we weren't, that we weren't a part of it. Totally. So we would just go along with it, even with the parts that didn't feel so good. But yeah, interesting. I'm glad that you brought uncomfortably turned on back into the world. Always. And maybe we could hashtag uncomfortably turned on a few things again. Um, <laughs> wow. <laughs> uh, so, yes, I mean, those are the main things. Is there anything else about this movie that you would like to chat about before we, we close it up? Oh, I don't know. I think we kind of covered it. This was really interesting. It was super interesting. I have to say, I did not expect the discussion to go in this way because you you really have opened my eyes to a different side of it that I was not thinking about. And so I think that's really helpful. So I'm so glad that you were here and that you joined me to discuss it. My God, this was such a treat. I love Her Me Out and uh, I'm so in support of it. So I feel honored to be asked to join. We, I'm honored to have you here because you are one of the smartest ladies I know. She, Helena, I mentioned Helena a lot in my, just my presence as a human being. So uh, just so everybody knows, she, she is who I turn to for my feminine, well, a few ladies are, but she's one of the main ladies I turn to for my feminist qualms. If you don't have a lady for feminist qualms, find one. I would be happy to be that person too, but you need one. You need a pocket of Helena because they're very important. <laughs> I love being your pocket, Helena. And that is how Anchorman Perpetuate does. Thank you so much again, Helena, for joining me on the pod. It was been, it's been so much fun to talk with you. Um, if you enjoyed this episode of the podcast, uh, feel free to write a review share it with friends um uh you can also send me movies you think should be done through instagram which my instagram is charlotte charlo with three o's brooke um or on my website hermeout.com uh and just thank you so much for joining us i hope you enjoyed and just keep in mind always and forever helena will you join me it's a co-culture people <laughs>